Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians? We are studying through the book of Ephesians. We're coming to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. We have been opening up God's treasure chest. And we have been pulling out some wonderful, wonderful treasures from the scriptures that we have found before us here today. The past couple of weeks, we've looked at some of these treasures as the emerald of election. We've looked at the peril of, certainly, of uh, predestination. We've even looked at the ruby of redemption. Today, we're going to look at the gold of grace. Wonderful grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Doesn't the mentioning of grace just bring soothing to the soul? It's amazing. As we begin to think about it, sing about it, and look in the scriptures about God's amazing grace. So with your scriptures in hand, would you stand with me as we read verses 1 through 9 of the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. Listen to what the Apostle Paul shares with us here today as he was writing to the church of Ephesus. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But, I'm so grateful for that word there. But, listen to this. But, God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ By grace, you've been saved. That's a good place for an amen. Amen? My goodness. Let's read that again. Even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8 and 9, listen to these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My, I tell you, that's some exciting verses of scriptures, isn't it? The truth that is found here in these pages 
here in verses 1 through 10, reminds us of God's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for allowing us to be people that who have been able to participate in your grace and to experience your mercy and your love. Thank you so much for blessing us with these wonderful gifts. And we pray, Father, that if there's one here today that have never, ever experienced and received the Christ that we speak of today and that we preach the one who died upon a cross, buried and rose again, Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation for their hearts. Oh, Father, we're so thankful and grateful for your blessings upon us. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit may just visit with us in such a powerful way. May he anoint us and fill us with his Spirit. And may our lives be honoring to you for the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. A number of years ago, Dr. Billy Graham was preaching in Melbourne, Australia. And he was preaching about of how you must be born again. And he was talking about of how every man has come to an must come to an understanding that he is a sinner and he is destined for hell but God through his grace he may have salvation and have life everlasting right after that tremendous crusade some person that who had uh, was participant of that crusade, wrote a letter to the editor. He was all upset with Billy Graham. And there he wrote these words. I want you to see this on, on the uh, screen. After hearing Dr. Billy Graham and reading reports of him and his mission, I am sick of the type of religion that insists that my soul... And everyone else needs saving, whatever that means. I have never felt that I was lost, nor do I feel that I have, that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repeat preaching insists that I do. Sad to say that that man wrote those words. Those words were not words of ignorance. They were not words of indifference. Those words were words of iniquity. He come, never come to an understanding that God's amazing grace is to reach down and to pick us up out of the miry clays of sin. The Bible reminds us all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. The Bible has reminded us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. That's the type of people that we have in our society today. They love darkness, and they love the deeds of evil more than they love God. My friend, Paul, in his wonderful way that he does it, he begins to explain to us that all men ought to be saved. But then he not only talks about that we ought to be saved, he tells us how we're to be saved. And then he concludes by telling us what happens after you're saved. And so, my friend... I want you to understand that we are blessed people. We are people that who have experienced the salvation of God because of His grace. I want to talk about His grace today. I don't know of a subject that I'd rather talk about any more than any more that I appreciate than the grace of God. As you go and look in these passages of scriptures, let me point out to you a couple of things. First of all, you'll notice here in verse 8, I want you to notice the grace that provides our salvation. Now, you need to understand, and I need to understand, that had it not been for grace, there would be no salvation. Listen to what the Bible says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that it's not of yourself, but it is the gift of God. A gift of God. The grace that God gives to you, my friend, is a gift. The salvation that God gives to you is a gift. The faith that you exercise is a gift from God himself. But now, when you think about grace... There's a couple things I, that comes to my mind when I think about grace. First of all, as I think about grace, I'm reminded that it's undeserved. Grace is undeserved. I do not deserve it. You do not deserve it. We do not earn it. We cannot buy it. We cannot purchase it. But it's something that is given to us. Now, I think... That every person, every child of God needs to come to an understanding. That if I got what I deserve, I would deserve hell. The Bible says all have sinned. God being holy, God being righteous. He has every right to damn every one of us. And I don't think you can ever understand or appreciate what grace is all about until you first of all realize that I deserve hell. I deserve damnation. But because of God's amazing love, He has given to me His amazing grace. I hear people, I've heard people say before as I was witnesses. To them, and I talk to them about dying, and they say, Oh, all I want is what I deserve when I die. 
No, you don't, my friend. You do not want what you deserve. Now, when I think about grace and that grace is undeserved, God really deals with us in three different ways. First of all, God deals with us according to uh, justice. Now, if we got what we deserve, we would receive just. I mean, we would we would receive uh, what we certainly earn, and that is that we deserve death, and we deserve damnation, we deserve uh, separation from a holy God. But He also deals with us according to mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. I'm so grateful for that. That God extends to me his mercy even though I don't deserve it. Heard about a lady one time she had her picture taken. And after she looked at the picture and she looked at herself in the mirror and she says, you know what? This just doesn't do me justice. The guy says, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. (laughs) We don't need justice. We need mercy. Thank God for his mercy. But he also deals with us not only according to justice. I get what I deserve. Mercy. Mercy is when I don't get what I deserve, but also according to his grace. Grace. Grace is what he gives to you when you do not deserve it. Grace. God sent Jesus Christ to die upon a cross, not because we deserve it, but in spite of the fact that we did not deserve it. He went to the cross and he died freely, and gave his life to us. I'm reminded of what Paul has already shared with us in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to this. But God demonstrated his own love toward us, in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Have you thought about that? While I was a sinner, he had me on his mind. Before the foundations of this earth, he had you on his mind. And that to realize that this was placed in concrete of the heart of God, that he would come to a place called Calvary, and there he would die for your sins and for mine. I like what Billy Sunday said. Billy Sunday said, God does not owe us salvation. You deserve damnation, but he provides salvation. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. It is because of God's wonderful grace is that what everyone needs, no one deserves, and only what God can give by his grace. John Milton, the blind poet, said these words. Listen to this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see three wonders. The first wonder will be I'll see many people there that I did not expect to see. He said the second wonder is, is will be to miss many people that I did expect to see. 
And then the third wonder, that the greatest would be to find me there. Ah, what amazing grace that it gives to us of salvation. Max Lucado, in one of his books, he talked about Jeffrey Donner. You remember him several years ago. He committed that terrible, those terrible crimes in in uh, Milwaukee, killing people and cutting them up and. Oh, so grotesque. And he says, later on, John, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ while he was in prison before they took his life. Max Lucado said, I cannot understand how in the world God could forgive somebody like that. And then Max Lucado went on to say, he says, then it dawned on to me. And I realized that the forgiveness of Jeffrey Dahmer and people like him is the heart of the gospel. Is the heart of the gospel. My friend, I want you to understand, sin, sin. And in the eyes of a holy, righteous God, we all have sinned. But because of His grace, in spite of what I've done, what I've experienced, He's willing to forgive me. And He's willing to accept me. And He's willing to allow me to become one of His children. Even somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer. As horrible as that possibly could be in the eyes of mankind. And so, what is grace? Grace is undeserved. But grace is not only undeserved, it is unearned. Notice what it says there in verse 9. Not of works. Not of works. Oh, it's amazing to me. There are so many people who would admit that they don't deserve to be saved, and yet they'll work their fingers to the bone trying to work their way to heaven. But my friend, I want you to understand that it's not by my works. It's not by my baptism. It's not by my good behavior. It's not because I might do this or that I don't do that that I'm saved. My friend, the Bible says it's all because of grace and not of works. Grace. I like the word grace because it reminds me of God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Romans chapter 11 verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And my friend, as I began to think about the grace that God gives to us, I, if I could earn it, when I'd get to heaven, I'd be bragging about it. You'd be bragging about it. But the Bible says that no man can boast. My friend, 
if it was because of I could get receive salvation by any other way, friend, I want you to understand Christ would have been a fool to go on to Calvary and Calvary would have been a blunder. But because of God's wonderful grace, some religions put it this way, when Christ went to the cross and that he died for us, that was a down payment for my salvation. And therefore, I have to make installment payments. In other words, I go to church, I pray, I do this, I do that, I do this, and I do that. And there are installments. But my friend, I've got good news. When Christ went to the cross, and he died for our sins, and he paid the price, he paid it in full. Nothing that I can add, or nothing that I can take away. What wonderful news. Wonderful news. Many years ago. Many, many, many years ago, there was a mother that had a daughter. And this daughter had a terrible disease called rickets. And rickets was a disease because of lack of vitamin D. You get vitamin D from fruit. And where she lived, and at that particular time, There was not any money and there was not the availability of fruit. She was walking one day and she was praying. And she happened to see the king's palace. And there was an orchard of fruit. And she began to pull those grapes off the vines. And the gardener came and says, you cannot have that. That is the king's. She said, oh, I'll work for it. My daughter is in need of fruit. And he was arguing with her. And about that time, somebody spoke and said, what's going on? And they looked up and it was the king. The lady began to explain. And she said, I will buy them. Just let me work for them. But my daughter needs these grapes and this fruit. And the king says, no, you cannot buy them. But I will give them to you. My friend, that's exactly the way it is with God. You can't buy salvation, but God will give you salvation. And you cannot receive it any other way. And he said, he told that lady, you can have all the grapes that you want. But there is a gift that I give to you. So it's undeserved. It's unearned. We do not earn our salvation. Salvation is not a bargain. It's an offer, my friend. It's not a reward uh, for being good. It is a gift for the guilty. God has given to us that amazing grace. So, What is grace? Unmerited favor of God. It's undeserved. It's unearned. And it's unequal. Think about this for a moment. There's nothing in this universe to compare 
God's grace. Friend, no artist could paint its beauty. No scientist could discover its ingredients. No language could describe its wonder. No imagination could conceive its greatness. And no intelligence could fully understand it. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond what we could ever conceive. It's unequal. So grace. Grace. If your name is Karen, it comes from that word grace. Karios means unmerited favor. And so therefore, friend, God has reminded us of his amazing grace in this passage of Scripture. But let's go a step further. Not only grace that provides salvation, but look with me also in verse 8 as well. The gift that presents our salvation. Now, when we stop to think for a moment of how salvation is involved, what all is involved in salvation... He tells us here in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved, listen to this, through faith. Now think about that. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That word faith is an interesting word. And as I think about that word faith... I'm reminded of that is something as well is a gift. Not only grace is a gift, but even the faith that I have to receive it and to accept it is a gift. I hear people say, I don't have faith. I don't have faith. I don't have faith. My friend, I want you to understand, God has given each and every man a measure of faith. And it's a matter of you exercising that faith that he has placed in your life. Faith is the flip side of the coin of salvation. You stop and you think about it. There is a gulf and there's two streams of water coming into that gulf. There is the stream of water of grace and there is the stream of the water of faith. And as you bring the two together, you have what is then brought about what is known as salvation. This river of faith. Let's think about this for a moment, about this faith. Think about the source of the faith that the Bible talks about that you have and that I have. Paul says that this grace, this salvation, and that this faith is a gift of God. He says in John chapter 6, verse 28, listen to these words. Then said they to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God. Your faith is a gift, my friend. And it's a gift that God has placed in your life. Grace is not a reward for faith. 
But my friend, faith is the result of grace. That's why when I get to heaven, I won't be able to walk around and say, boy, because of my faith, I'm here and I have received salvation. My friend, I want you to understand that everything that I have received by grace, by faith, is a gift that God has given to me. Philippians chapter 1 Verse 29 said these words. For to you it has been granted on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. So we notice that the source of faith comes from God. But not only the source of faith, but the simplicity of faith. The Bible says, through faith. Now, you stop and you think about it. Have you ever thought how simple salvation really is? The Lord could say something like this. He could say, you're saved by grace through your intelligence. Well, not everybody's intelligent. Somebody could say, well, certainly you're saved by grace through your money. You give one dollar and you can have... Salvation. Well, not everybody has a dollar. Somebody might could say, well, you could get saved by your beauty. Well, not everybody's beautiful. But the simplicity of salvation, my friend, is something that every single man, woman, boy, and girl can experience. For by faith you are saved through grace, by You're trusting, accepting, and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. So you stop and you think about it. Faith plus grace equals salvation. And friend, I'm telling you the truth. There's nothing any greater than that. My faith that God has given to me His grace that He's extended to me equals my salvation with the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's stop and think about the sincerity of this faith. We've looked at the source. We've looked at the simplicity. But what about the sincerity of this faith? When Paul was talking about faith, he's not talking about a lot of the kind of faith that a lot of Baptists have. And that is up here. A lot of people have faith, but it's up here in their head. The faith that the Apostle Paul was talking about is trust in here. That is within your heart. I like the word faith. And I use the acronym of faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all. I trust him. I heard about a man one time. He was walking on a tightrope over this deep gorge. And there as he was walking, he had a bicycle. And he said, how many of you believe that I can go across this gorge on this bicycle? Well, a number of people raised their hand. Then he said, how many of you are willing to... 
ride this bicycle on the handlebars as I go across this gorge. Nobody raised their hand. See, one believed that he could do it. The other one was not really, really willing to trust him. And that's the way it is with the Lord. Not that I just believe that Christ died for my sins, but that I trust him. I put everything within my soul and within my heart to trust him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. So, the gift that presents our salvation is through that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to look with me just for a moment in verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, friend, I want you to stand. There's a connection. There is a connection between works and faith. I know we Baptists say, well, works has nothing to do with our salvation, but really, in part, It does have something to do. It's talking about our good works. And he's not talking about the root of works, but he's talking about the fruit of works. Really what he's talking about, the good works do not play a part in my salvation, but my friend, they are not the root of salvation, but they are the fruit of salvation. And that's what I wanted to look at just in the closing moments of this message. I'm reminded of what Titus said in chapter 3, verse 8. He says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain, listen to this, good works. To maintain good works. You think about it. A good root placed into good soil will develop a good tree that will produce good fruit. Think about that for a moment. If you have sunk your faith into the fertile soil of grace of God, The Bible says you're going to have good fruit of works. And so therefore, my friend, as I look at children of God today, and I see salvation in their life, I see it through the fruit of good works, as he has explained to us today. Now, you think about it for a moment. Goodness is God's work with us. Look what he says there in verse 10. He says in there in verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship is an interesting word. We get the word poem from that word workmanship. We are God's poem. Now, when I say poem, poem back in the days that this was written didn't necessarily mean words that was written down that rhymed. 
It really could refer to a painting. Or it could refer to a sculpture. Or it could refer to a masterpiece. Did you realize... Did you realize that as a child of God, you're a masterpiece? That He is performing a good work within you. I read about a story one time about Robert E. Lee. And there was a sculpture that loved Robert E. Lee. And there he was going to uh, carve out this sculpture. And it became a spitting image of Robert E. Lee. Someone asked him, says, how did you know how to go about doing this? He said, oh, that was simple. I just knocked all the pieces that didn't look like Robert E. Lee. Did you realize that's what God's doing in your life today? Did you realize that by His grace and the good works that God is demonstrating in your life to perform a masterpiece that one day you will be the spitting image of the Lord Jesus Christ? He is marked. He is knocking off all the pieces in my life. We sometimes wonder why we have to go through the trials and the tribulations. But if you've thought about the friction between a chisel and a hammer on a piece of sculpture, knocking off those pieces that doesn't look like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, my friend, we can put up a sign on every one of us, don't give up on me, Jesus is still working on me. He's working on your li- in your life, and He's working in my life. And my friend, I want you to understand, this is the goodness of God. That this work is being demonstrated in and through my life. But goodness is God's will for my life. See, you're not only created physically and certainly recreated spiritually for goodness, and godliness. God has established salvation in your life, so therefore, my friend, you can demonstrate the good hand of God that is upon your life. Some will say, what is God's will for my life? Well, let me tell you what God's will is for your life. He wants to demonstrate goodness in and through your life. It is God's will for every single one of us to demonstrate His goodness in our life. And we do that through works. We do that through surrender. We do that by living for the Lord Jesus Christ. But then last of all, goodness is God's way to us. It says we should not walk in them, as he says there in verse 9. In other words, God leads us in the path of righteousness. And every day, you ought to get up and you ought to pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, lead me in the path of your goodness and of your righteousness. That should be our prayer. 
every day that my life shall be a life that demonstrates goodness of God and the grace of God in and through my life. Fanny Crosby. That blessed lady who was blind. But God uniquely blessed her by allowing her to see spiritual things that no one was able to see like she did. D.L. Moody was preaching in a Bible conference. And he asked Fanny Crosby to come and to give her testimony. And as she came to give her testimony, she began to talk about a song that she had written that had never been published. And she said that that this song was her soul's poem. She said, when I get troubled, when I get depressed... I'm reminded of this song. I want you to see this song. Someday the silver cord will break. And I know more as now shall seem. All the joy I shall wait in the palace of the king. Then I shall see him face to face and tell my story saved by his grace. Amen. Saved by His grace. My friend, I don't know when the Lord's going to take me home. But I know that there's going to come a day that this old shell is going to go back to the dust of the earth. And there my soul will be transported into heaven. And I just want to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your amazing grace to save an old wretch like me. Amen. I had a dear, dear pastor friend of mine went to be with the Lord this past week. I preached his funeral yesterday. A man that who loved the Lord, a man who mentored me when I was first went into the ministry. In fact, the very first sermon I ever preached was at his church. He was a man that who loved the Lord. I said yesterday at his funeral, I can almost imagine as he talked about grace and he preached about grace, And he sung about grace that now he's able to say, by grace, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. You're here today, and you never experienced this grace. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what God has in store for you and the way he wants to bless you and use you. But it's by faith. It's by trusting Jesus more and more than ever before. 
I wonder, would you be willing to do that? Bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your wonderful grace and for the way that you have demonstrated that grace through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for allowing us, in spite of us and who we are and what we are, that you love us and you're willing to forgive us. Lord, there might be one here today that's never experienced your grace. We pray that today they will. In Jesus' name.